Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light, and I am your host, Spencer Newharth. This is episode 481, and this week we're talking about the Whitetail Lockdown. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and back again joining us this week is Mark Canyon. Now, uh, the reason Mark wasn't with us last time is because he was without service somewhere in Nebraska trying to kill a whitetail with his bow. Mark, I'm interested to uh, not only hear how that hunt went, but also what you witnessed for buck activity. So give us a little, uh, give us a little preview of both. Yeah, well, it was intense. You know, this is that hunt where I was going out there and trying to learn how to hunt deer in open country with like a handheld decoy like one of those handheld silhouette heads up decoys that's what i was using and that was a brand new thing for me uh but it was a ton of fun i mean something that i'm absolutely going to want to do more in the future and a lot of good buck activity as far as general rut activity and behavior i saw a lot of cruising and then i also saw a lot of kind of rut fest where you've got a buck locked on a doe like a mature buck locked on a doe and three or four satellite bucks you know surrounding them or all five of these bucks chasing that doe i had that happen two different days um so you know full-blown rut is basically what i experienced last week and uh, i imagine you know there's going to be more and more of that now as more of these bucks are locked on does so uh it was definitely a fun week and, and great to see after an iowa hunt where i did not see a whole lot of rutting activity this Nebraska trip was, was kind of a perfect antidote for that. So if you had to put a label on the rutting activity that you saw in Nebraska, what would you say that phase of the rut was? Oh gosh, we are right in that transition. I'd say between like late chasing to early lockdown, like there was, there was some of both happening. Um, pretty darn close, like peak rut, you know, I don't know if we were at peak breeding, but peak rutting activity and, and probably, you know, somewhere around now, would be what most people would, would call peak breeding, where the, the largest number of does are being actively bred. 
Yeah, and you brought up lockdown, which is going to be a theme when we uh, interview our guests this week. But I want you to talk a little bit, Mark, about the reality of lockdown and maybe go over like what the perception is that a lot of hunters have about lockdown versus what the reality is of lockdown and, and what that really means for buck movement. Yeah, so lockdown. Lockdown is kind of this term we use now to, to describe that period of time when the largest number of does are being bred. So if we think of the timing of breeding as, as being described by a bell curve, right? So for people that don't know what a bell curve is, basically imagine the graph and there's this line that starts low and it slowly rises to the top like a bell and then it eventually drops down. That top of the bell would represent when the most does are being bred, which in most parts of the country is happening right around now. So we call that lockdown because when a doe is being bred, usually what happens is a buck, whatever buck has kind of won her, will try to corral her into some little patch of cover or some weird place in the middle of a field or somewhere he can get her away from all the other deer. And he will hang out with her there for a day or two or sometimes three, uh, breeding her and keeping her around. And so people would describe that as being locked down. So that's what's happening. And at this time, there's a whole bunch of bucks that are currently locked down with a doe. That's the general high-level description of what's happening. What most hunters would tell you is that this is a really tough time to hunt because they think all the bucks are locked down. And so there's no way you're going to be able to get a deer on their feet because they're you know, in one of these little patches, they're stuck with a doe somewhere, they're not moving. And, uh, you know, there is, to a degree, validity in that. Like, that is happening a lot. There are a lot of bucks like that. So it can be a slower time. But it can also be a lights-out time because these bucks aren't on does the entire time, right? There's always going to be a buck or two or some that lose their doe or that finish off with a doe or are looking for the next one. And so those in-between moments, can lead to chaos. There can be bucks chasing, there can be bucks cruising, there can be all these great things happening right now. It's just going to be a little bit more hit or miss. So I think the trick to this time of year is sticking it out. And even if you have two days where it's absolutely dead, trying to keep the faith because any moment now, that big one could break off of his doe and he'll be right back in the game. And you need to be there too. If you've given up because of two slow days, you're going to miss that day window when he is free and he's searching all over the place for that next doe and he's going crazy. Um, there's also a great opportunity if you spot a buck locked on a doe and you can maybe slip in on him. Or lots of times if you see a buck and a doe in a certain little patch of cover, they'll usually stick right around there for the next 24, 36, 48 hours. And you can move right in there and have a kind of consistent movement of that deer. That deer might be in there tight and move around a little bit or move in the evening for a little bit, move in the afternoon, move in the morning. And if you can get right in there with them, you've got a chance. Um, if you're doing something like I was doing last week with a heads-up decoy, you can move right in on that buck and present the decoy to him head-on and kind of challenge him, and he'll come in there and try to push you off. So my cliff notes of this is that uh, while the lockdown can be tough, it also can be, you know, bananas. So, so don't skip out on it. Be out there because the rut's still happening. And when it happens, it can get really hot and heavy fast. Yeah, I think you said it best at the end there that <clears throat> like you, you should still be in the woods this time of year. It's still a great time to kill a mature buck. And it, it doesn't happen where it's like a mature buck has a doe corralled for like November 15th and 16th. And then November 17th, he goes right into post rut where he's nocturnal again. He only cares about food sources. It, it's not like one like phase ends or breeding happens and then it's right to post rut for him. They're still going to be 
you know, a lot of movement out there in the woods that uh, hunters can capitalize on. And again, the the lockdown thing and breeding is something you're going to hear from the rest of our guests this weekend. And the reading materials for this week, which you can find in the description of this episode, uh, if you're on like Spotify, just scroll down or iHeart or iTunes, you're going to find these articles linked below. How to e-scout for the rut by Tony Peterson. Tony talks about how to use aerial imagery to kill a buck in November, like what he did in episode one of One Week in November, which is out on YouTube right now. And then we have what I've learned watching deer have sex from you, Mark Canyon. Mark covers how witnessing whitetails breed informed his perspective on hunting in mid-November. And then we have how to pull off. One of my classiest titles ever. I like it. I like it. And then we have how to pull off an almost all day rut hunt by Tony Hansen. Hansen goes over his strategy for staying in the woods as much as possible this time of year. And then we have what is the whitetail lockdown by Mark Kenyon. Mark looks at the reality of the whitetail lockdown and why it shouldn't be a phase of the rut that keeps you out of the woods. Mark, what is next for you? I feel like uh, every time I talk to you, you're, you're in a new state doing a new haunt. What is next for you on the agenda? Yeah, man, I leave in a day and a half for Maine. And I'm going to be hunting up in northern Maine, learning how to track deer in the snow with hail blood. So uh, it's going to be super interesting. My biggest wild card right now is that there's not necessarily snow in the forecast. So if we don't get snow, it's going to be uh, going to be a real doozy. So I'm crossing my fingers and toes that we get the uh, the preset that we need, and uh, I can get a good opportunity out there to at least learn this really interesting style of hunting. Oh, so uh, that's that's what I got. And what what about Michigan? Did you forget about Michigan this year? Yeah, man. This year, <laughs> this year because of the crazy slate of travel I have, Michigan's pretty much been put on the back burner. Um, I might get a few hunts in December, um, but. You know, I'm just home for a few days at a time, so I'm mostly just trying to spend it with the family and, and be a dad when I can. So the Michigan Bucks are kind of getting the free pass this year. All right, man. Uh, well, they, they won't get the same treatment next year, I imagine. And I uh, look forward to hearing how the main hunt went. Talk to you next week, Mark. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, and joining us on the line next is Alex Gilstrom, whose writing you can find on Wired Hunt's website in Illinois. Now, Alex, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, lately, I'd say in the last week, it's been pretty close to about a 6. Um, kind of unfortunate, really. It's It's been, we had a really timely cold front. The movement's just been kind of slow overall. We had a timely cold front move in uh, last week and uh, just a few days ago, but it was accompanied by really high winds. So the wind speed was high, you know, anywhere up around 20 miles an hour. And so pretty pretty sustaining. And it was a south wind, and it was it had a lot of swirling in it, gusting, and it just seemed to, I don't know if it necessarily subdued the deer movement, it just, the deer just didn't move very well. Um, didn't see a lot of daylight activity much at all, especially when it comes to rutting activity, not much chasing or seeking. I think we might be in a little bit of a lockdown phase, but it's just, uh, yeah, it, it hadn't been real great so far. So where do you want to be running your trail cameras this time of year? I've always had the best success during, you know, the first couple of weeks in November and, and even phasing into, to, you know, kind of later into the month. Um, I'm a really big fan of just really kind of thick, thick, tight security cover for bedding and security cover for transitions. So thick cover that can be transition zones between uh, doe bedding areas, um, downwind sides of bedding areas, 
anything like that. I think that's that's where I've seen and had the best luck of Maxima, you know, getting not just good pictures of, of, of bucks in the area, bucks moving in, um, or bucks that have kind of like is in their, within their home range, but also daylight pictures as well. So you can get kind of a little bit better idea of, you know, or, or is this, is this based on the bucks rut cruising circuit when they're moving and traveling? Is it more on their morning side or their evening side? You can kind of assess that a little bit better. So I'm a big fan of betting areas this time of year. What have you been seeing for sign making as of late? Not a ton. I haven't seen a lot. Um, of course, you know, in the first week of November, first week of November, there was a lot more, but they've kind of seemed to move off of the sign making scrapes are getting covered up by leaf drop and leaf fall. Um, there's still, uh, some, some scrapes opening up and some, some fresh rubs, but, um, it seems like we're in the kind of the, the stage right now where they're really focused on just finding the does blocking, you know, breeding the does and getting into that, that lockdown period or, or they're, where they're, where it really gets aggressive and they're kind of are leaving the, 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 the scrape checking and things like that away. I'm not seeing a lot of fresh time pop up recently. What food sources are relevant right now for deer hunters in Illinois, and what is the crop harvest status in your state? So the crops are out for the most part here in western Illinois, where, west central Illinois, where I'm at. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's God's country as far as corn, beans, and, and agriculture. So they, the, the, you know, they, they don't let the crops stand in the fields much longer than they have to. So by, by now, um, we had some, some late rains and stuff like that that maybe held a few things up, but all the bean and cornfields have been harvested by this point for, for the most part. I mean, except maybe just one or two, just one offs here and there, but um, so that's been good. And then, and then now they're really shifting. And so we've had a couple of really good hard frosts some colder weather come in. So uh, really seem to be shifted to the grain. The Oak ridges are still pretty hot. I'm, I'm seeing still uh, quite a bit of doe activity feeding and things like that happening on the Oak ridges as well. So if you have acorns, um, it can be pretty timely right now for that as well. But, but it seems like they're really kind of shifting to the grain for pretty, pretty, pretty good right now. Historically, do you do any calling or decoying in Illinois in mid November? You know, uh, not really a whole lot in Illinois. I've had a lot of public, actually exclusively public ground in Illinois right, for the last couple of years. And, um, I'll do some grunting. Uh, I don't really rattle a whole lot just because I'm public. It's just so competitive, but, um, I have had some luck with some tending grunts close to bedding or thick security cover, especially if I can see a deer that I want to call to and watch his body language and read it um, and just kind of attract and call in to it a little bit more. So, so I will, I will, I mean, always have a grunt call with me and do some light grunting, but um, outside of that, I don't do a whole lot, a whole lot of calling myself right at this time. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Illinois? got to be optimistic it's got to just bust loose in, in in some of the spots that i hunt um now so I, i'm thinking i'm gonna i'm thinking it's with the weather looking ahead the um hoping enough you know if there was some 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 of the more mature bucks locked down they're coming off their does they're looking for that next one's kind of str- um, expanding their search a little bit out of their core so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it an eight i'm gonna say we're gonna we're gonna move from that six to that eight and and be good to go all right alex i like the optimism good luck with your hunts thanks for joining me you bet thanks Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Wade Middleton from Whitetail Diaries in Texas. Now, Wade, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I think it's about a 6, depending on where you are statewide. Uh, In the central part of the state, man, the ruts are actually going on fantastic right now. Everybody I talk to said they're chasing those. I'm seeing deer, you know, bucks chasing those. You may have to go 8 in that part. But when you get down south, southwest, where we spent a lot of the last 10 days, 
Uh, it's been kind of hot, a lot of late afternoon deer, you know, showing up right at last light. I can give that about a six for, for that part of the area. But all in all, the, the hunting has been pretty solid. So what phase of the rut would you say sort of northern Texas and southern Texas are in right now? You know, that central northern part, there's no doubt the rut's going on. Um, from San Antonio, north through Austin, going all the way up north from there. Uh, I mean, bucks have their nose to the ground. They're doing what we all like. They're showing up anywhere at any time. When you go southwest towards Del Rio or you go south of San Antonio, we're still a couple of ways or a couple of uh, weeks away from seeing that rut and activity pick up there. Wade, I know you said earlier this year in February that you had a freeze event that's been one of the most extreme you've witnessed in southern Texas. Is that something that you've seen impact hunting this fall? Absolutely. That freeze was epic because it it reached all the way to the Texas coast, you know, caused big fish kills down there. Uh, I mean, it backs as hard as, you know, a lot of them got freezer burn and got frostbite, for lack of a better word, while they were developing. And as such, you know, a lot of the acorn, a lot of the mass crops seem to be stunted. A lot of the acorns that I'm seeing at, at various places this year are really small, about the, you know, smaller than the size of your, your pinky nail. And so, therefore, it seems like to me the deer have been searching far and wide for, you know, corn, corn feeders. Texas is famous for them. And we're seeing more deer showing up around feeders this year earlier than, than ever. So have you noticed that February freeze impact bedding at all since uh, the deer tend to want to be around the feeders more? Do you notice a shift in bedding in mid-November than what you've seen in the past? No, the, the, the traditional patterns seem to have gotten back to normal. Um, it just seems that, you know, like I said, a lot of the normal mass crops that we have are just a little smaller. The other thing I noticed, though, I mean, we had a mild spring. We had a mild summer. I mean, 100-degree temperatures were far less this year than we've ever had. Antler development is phenomenal in a lot of the places that we've been, you know, looking at scouting cameras and hunting in Texas. So it's really, it's just been a different year because of the mass crops. A lot of guys that, you know, rely on hunting by a feeder, uh, they're all like, man, we're seeing more deer than we ever have. In mid-November in southern Texas, does water factor into your setups at all? It does. You know, we're pretty dry in the southwest part of Texas. We've had good rain in other parts of Texas, but this year they've got that La Nina, as they call it, set up out there in the Gulf. And, and so we don't get as much rain. We don't get a lot of runoff. We don't have those big storms. And you know, I hunted up in Brownwood area early in October. Obviously, we spent a lot of time around Del Rio. And surface water sources are pretty limited and if, if you've got surface water and you go look around the edge of those ponds you're going to find tracks and you're going to see activity i know way that you like to do some rattling this time of year tell us what those setups look like and when you have a successful one what maybe their uh those areas have in common when you do get a buck to respond you know for me rattling that's that is one of my biggest passions but i kind of read the conditions am i seeing a lot of scrapes am i seeing deer moving am i you know chasing does at the in the middle of the day seeing buck rutting signs then i kind of determine how loud and aggressive that i that i want to be right now if i was in the hill country part of texas going up north i would i would bang those antlers pretty aggressively to try to you know, litter something in, you know, from sunrise up to about two o'clock, I have good success. Down south right now, we're out southwest. If I'm going to rattle, it's kind of a light tickle. Um, you know, I'm just, just trying to make enough noise that something that's trolling off the distance 
might change direction and come our come our way. But two weeks from now, I'll be banging them pretty hard. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Texas? Texas, I mean, it's fixing to blow up everywhere. I would say we've got a cold front coming through. I believe Thursday of this week, temperatures are going to get back mild statewide. We've got a little moisture in a few places. I always like that this time of the year. I think it's going to be eight statewide. I think it's about to break loose. All right, Wade, good luck to you and everyone else from Whitetail Diaries. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Brian Christner from Knock and Release in Kentucky. Now, Brian, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Lately, with our trip, I'd say it was a, a good stick. We started off our trip uh, on the 9th of November, and we were seeing, you know, just our, our, our regular you know, guys on the on the property with with a uh, buck activity and everything in does, um, but we're seeing a lot of activity at night. So a lot of daytime pictures, our daytime activity wasn't the greatest. And then we started rolling into the about the 11th and the 12th. We uh we started seeing those young bucks chasing pretty good. Um, saw a couple nice mature bucks on that the 10th actually that morning and uh it was yeah i'd say it was a it was a solid six and then near that opening gun weekend we started rolling into the seven and eight range um with the bucks more on their feet cruising looking for does um but yeah it was it was a, it was a good six at the beginning of the week and near the end of this last week i would say it was a seven and an eight now you just now, you just killed a great buck in Kentucky over the weekend. Tell us about that setup, why you were in that spot, and why that buck wanted to be there. So that spot was uh, it was on top of a ridge. Um, it was a great spot. It was actually just on a leaner, uh, just a, a, a double-seated leaner, 15 feet in the air. And uh, it kind of looked down into a like, a like a natural bottleneck almost to where those deer traveled that bottleneck pretty hard, and it was about 100 yards from bedding. So we knew the deer traveled through there pretty good. So, and you know, with all the podcasts we listen to, you know, everyone always says, you know, that first light, when you can, if you can grunt, if you can grunt and you see, you know, you have good light, grunt, you know, try to pull in those deer in. Um, if a buck's cruising by, they're going to hear it. And that's exactly how that setup went for me. I, I took that to heart and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. Like everyone says, and I did it. It was at right around 630. I started grunting. And, uh, within five minutes, I had that buck. I, I saw him about a hundred yards out through the woods, down that bottleneck. And he literally pinpointed me and walked six yards from the bottom of my stand. Um, so it was, it was a well-traveled area. Bedding was nearby. So the does were nearby and the bucks knew, you know, the does were there and we kind of had an idea where everything was at too. So it worked out really well for us. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an awesome experience to see that buck so close. And he came straight up to the bottom of my stand grunting and searching. He knew something was nearby and just made a mistake and came to me. <laughs> where do you want to be running a lot of your trail cameras this time of year in Kentucky? In Kentucky, where we were at, we were running, um, we, we had them on food sources, of course, but we, we sat the woods. Um, we really dedicated ourselves to the woods 
near bedding, hardwood, thick areas. The area I was hunting was pretty thick, um, with basically off a little cut of, you know, about as wide as a, you know, a small car could go down. And that's where I hunted in that area. Um, and so where I had, we had all our trail cameras, we were running about eight trail cameras this last week. And we were, were checking it re- them religiously. We had a couple of cell phone cameras. So that was a, a huge help because we knew exactly what was going on nonstop in those areas. Um, so we, we concentrated very, very heavily on, on trails in the woods. What have you been seeing for sign making as of late? So that, that was a big, uh, we were pretty disappointed actually, uh, come the end of October, we have a nice road cut through there and, and plenty of areas where these, you know, overhang trees, you know, little limbs and everything where you see that sign all the time, rubs and scrapes. And, and we just weren't seeing that. Well, here this last week, we saw a lot of that happening. We saw bucks making rubs. We saw bucks making scrapes and hitting those spots, especially after it rained this past Thursday up there in Kentucky. And I think the entire state, the whole Midwest got that band going through there. And that's what brought that big front in and uh, which really started that activity. But, and that's when they were freshening up those scrapes and freshening up those rubs. Um, But we saw that a lot this last week. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Kentucky? One to 10, I think this weekend's going to be a nine. Honestly, I think it's, it's just going to get fired up. It's, when we left, you could actually already tell uh, the bucks were on their feet more in daylight, according to our pictures that we were getting. And then, um, and it just, you know, according to, you know, other podcasts and other things we listen to and pay attention to and the hunt cast and everything, it looks like Friday is going to be a, a, an awesome day to be in the woods for sure. Friday and this Saturday, it just looks really, really good. Um, so I would be in the woods definitely. If I wasn't tagged out already, I would be up there again. So. All right, Brian, congrats on that great buck you killed. Thanks for joining me. Yep, thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Nick Kravitz from Flatline Whitetails in Pennsylvania. Now, Nick, in Pennsylvania, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say this week it's probably going upwards of 7, 8 maybe nine. I mean, it's getting colder this week is why I would say that it kind of warmed up there the week before. And now it's dropped back down again and we actually got some snow recently. So I think that things have been on their feet more. And I mean, I've seen it. All my buddies are really getting the mature deer on the ground right now. So I think it's really ramped things up. Your brother killed a great buck over this last weekend. Tell us about that setup. Why was he in that area and why was that buck in that area? Well, that area in particular actually is a uh, turnip plot. So there's a good food source there off of a thick bedding and there's a lot of does hanging out in that food. And uh, there's also quite a few bucks in that area. So that buck, I think, came out um, looking for the does and they were feeding and that just, it kind of worked perfectly in that situation. What would you label this phase as the rut as in Pennsylvania? Oh man, I would say at this point, they're definitely like, I mean, they're beyond lockdown at this point. They're, I don't know, it's hard to say, but they're definitely locked on the does. I actually was hunting with my buddy Billy there and we watched him breed a doe and 
after he bred that doe, he just kind of moved on, you know. Where are you running a lot of your trail cameras at this time of year? Well, right now we kind of have them in some different spots. I have uh, a bunch of mine on like the transitions, like pinch points um, in the thickets there when they're moving from bedding areas to food source. And that seems to be working out good. We have some nice pictures of bucks in these transitions of these bedding areas that we're getting a lot of daylight pictures. Actually, most of the pictures I've been getting, I've been at like 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. is when we're getting a lot of the mature bucks on camera at the moment. You mentioned that your brother's buck was killed on a turnip plot. What other food sources are relevant right now for deer hunters in Pennsylvania? Well, when my buddy and I saw that buck breed a doe, actually, uh, all the does and a lot of the little bucks are coming out and they're feeding in that soybean field there where we were hunting. So that's where we were kind of seeing a lot of the activity, a lot of does coming into those soybeans right now. Um, I haven't hunted much of the corn, so I can't speak for that myself, but I know they were definitely hitting the soybeans hard and obviously the turnip plot there that Tyler was hunting. What have you seen for sign making as of late? Well, there's been a lot of weathers as far as rain and whatnot. So here and there, they're freshening up the scrapes, but I, it seems like they're more worried about the does at this point. I see a lot, even in my yard when I'm coming home, there's a buck with a doe almost every night in there. So it seems like they're more focused on just going after the does at the moment, but they are still hitting the scrapes periodically as far as I'm seeing. Uh, some of my cameras there are set up on them, but um, I think it's more hunt the does at the moment as far as that goes. In mid-November, are you doing any calling or decoying in Pennsylvania? I personally don't use a decoy myself, but we are uh, seeing some response. We saw some response all this coming this past week here to the grunt calls. Um, they seem to be coming in, getting defensive about it, and uh, it's definitely stirring up some activity as far as we've seen. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Pennsylvania? I think it'll pick up to an 8 or a 9 personally just because it's it's cold weather now. It's sticking around, and I think that's really got things really moving. Um, and, I mean, one other thing I would have to say would be where my cousin Jagger had shot his buck was over a water source there, and that buck that he particularly shot the his goal was to come in and drink that water and just move on but he didn't make it far because jagger got him before he could leave so the water seemed to be good there too all right nick good luck to you and the boys from flatline whitetails thanks for joining me yep take care and that concludes this week's episode of wired to hunts rut fresh radio thanks to alex wade brian and nick for joining me and thank you guys for listening as a reminder this week's reading materials can be found in the description of the episode you're going to see articles like how to e-scout the rut, what I've learned watching deer have sex, how to pull off an almost all-day rut haunt, and what is the whitetail lockdown. And as another reminder, the first episode of One Week in November is now available on Meat Eater's YouTube channel, with new episodes dropping every single Tuesday from now until the end of the year. This week's episode, though, the first episode is especially exciting because Tony Peterson drops the hammer on a giant 4x4 that you're going to want to see. It was an exciting episode to make. I think it's going to be an exciting episode to watch. And I will talk to you next week. But until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. 
Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill.